0: You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast
1: Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hello, listeners. Do you love this show? Are you thinking to yourself, Man, it's so great that Holly gets all this free content for us to enjoy. I wonder if there's any way that I could support her and help her to create even better content. Well, You can. And I'm going to actually give you something in return for your support by joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash Unfiltered. Not only will you be supporting this independent endeavor, which is my podcast, but you will also get all kinds of super cool perks that are available exclusively to members of my Patreon. That means that you will be able to watch my interviews live as they happen and therefore access them way before everybody else does. You will also be able to get signed prints from my guests. You'll be able to access exclusive bonus content such as My LA Porn Life, the podcast that I do with my production manager, Eva, as well as some exclusive interviews that I do on set with some of the biggest stars in the industry. There's so much at my Patreon for you to enjoy and I would absolutely love it if you would just go give it a peek, see if it might be worth couple bucks for you to support the show that you love so much. So go to patreon.com slash Unfiltered. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Unfiltered. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. I'm so happy to have the lovely Daisy Taylor on the show today. Daisy is the second trans porn star ever to get a contract and the first contract star to be signed by the big trans website, Trans Angels. I really want to applaud Daisy for coming on and being so incredibly honest and open about what it means to be trans, and even more specifically, what it means to be a trans porn star. The rising prevalence of trans performers is something really very new to the adult industry. Ten years ago, hell, even less than that, it was perfectly acceptable to have this severe divide between the mainstream, aka straight, porn industry, and trans porn. People who worked in mainstream would almost never work with trans performers, and those who did were often ridiculed and ostracized by the straight side. Only now are many hugely popular adult stars working with trans performers, but also trans performers themselves are becoming big names in their own right. Not only that, but major adult companies are developing a trans line, and even better, many mainstream quote-unquote straight porn movies are incorporating trans performers into the narrative, giving them much-needed exposure to a predominantly straight audience, who would probably never have gone looking for trans porn on their own. But of course, we still have so far to go, and Daisy has arrived on the cusp of huge changes in the adult industry, and indeed is now in a position to represent the trans community in a world that is only beginning to try to understand what transgenderism is. If you go back to episode 35, I had the incredible Buck Angel on, one of my favorite people, and as a female-to-male transgender porn star and advocate, he was a great resource for education on the subject. But whereas Buck is older, experienced, and someone who has been through hell and back and thus understands and accepts who he is, Daisy is young and still trying to accept the disconnect she feels between her mind and her body. And so I really appreciate how open and honest she is about her struggles. It's people like her who make my show something that feels actually important on a socially conscious level. Through the lens of her experiences, one can perhaps begin to imagine what it might be like to live life trapped in the wrong body. So many people still believe being trans is a choice and that people like Daisy are to be the gender that they identify with, and that they are confused and they need help to bring them back to embracing the gender their genitals define them as. But the human brain is so much more complex than that, and Daisy actually does reference some recent findings on the brains of transgender people. Essentially, research has shown that the brains of transgender youths are more like the brains of the gender they identify with, not the gender they were born into. I'll post links to the findings on my blog at hollyrandallunfiltered.com, or you could also just do a simple Google search and it will easily pull up these articles. My point is, I think that people like myself, heterosexual, cisgender, we need to educate ourselves on the idea that human beings come in all kinds of variations on sexual and gender identities, and that that's okay. They deserve a place next to us at the table of humanity. They deserve the recognition and the respect from the rest of us to live their lives the way that they choose. I know that having someone like Daisy on reminds me of the privilege I have to not need to fight society for the right to be the person that I want to be. So thank you, Daisy. Thank you for being strong. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being you. I hope my listeners can learn as much from you as I feel like I did. Hello, everybody. Happy holidays. Welcome back to the show. Um, It is officially after Christmas. It is... Actually, I'm recording this episode pretty close to the day it's gonna be released, which doesn't mm-hmm. always happen. So I just survived Christmas. Um, how about you? Did you celebrate the holidays at I all? Did. I did. I actually had three Christmases. Wait, I didn't introduce Christmas you. No. I just, we just start, sorry, I just started talking about Christmas immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, This is Daisy Taylor, by the way, everybody. Hi, everybody. Beautiful girl. I mean... Even prettier in person. I mean, what can I say Oh, yes, thank you. Okay, sorry. Now that
0: I introduced you... Now that we're aware.
1: Right, Mm -hmm. that like a host is supposed to do, I'm sorry. It is the holidays. I have had a few days off, which is apparently a terrible thing for me. I mean... How was your holidays, Daisy? It was... I mean, I feel like...
0: And I guess this has changed as I've gotten older, but Mm. I feel like it just starts to feel less and less like Christmas when Christmas comes around, Mm -hmm. if that makes
1: sense. Oh my God, it makes so much sense. You know,
0: there's like, there was a whole kind of like ambiance to Christmas time, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I, I would really feel that. And like, Christmas Day came up, and I was like, I don't, it just feels like, Wednesday right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I went and I had, I had three separate Christmases on Christmas Day. So I had Christmas with my mom, uh-huh. or with Christmas with my dad and his family. And then my mom and our little us. Uh-huh. And then we went to my aunt's and had Christmas with the whole extended family. So oh wow. It was, it was a long and very social day. Yeah. Which is not, my
1: forte. You didn't didn't even split it up? You didn't get like a Christmas Eve at one place and then like, oh my God, you had to hit all three? Did you eat like an insane amount of food? Surprisingly, I didn't. I was actually, the whole
0: day, I was like having the most intense cramps of my life. I thought either I was like going to die or I like, like was, you know, like the trans virgin Mary. So... (laughs) you never know
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's uh, yeah you know what? it's I know exactly how you feel and that was something that I experienced this year as well and I've talked about this plenty of times on my podcast like I love Christmas it's mm-hmm. my favorite holiday and a lot of times it actually gives me anxiety because I expect so much out of it right. you know and I, and I want that magic that I felt as a child mm-hmm. to still be there and to recapture it and it doesn't always worked that way and this year I felt a little bit less attached to it than I have in other years mm-hmm. which in a way was good because it gave me less anxiety because I was right, less you
0: weren't thinking about oh this is oh my like, god I need to, to, to enjoy good. Christmas this has, this has to be,
1: has to be great yeah. I have to do all the Christmas things but in a way it also made me a little bit sad because I was like letting go of that that magic That's, that I've been trying to mm-hmm. hold on to so much and especially now like you said getting older and I have um my brother is having a baby with his wife, and so they had to go on Christmas Day to her parents, and right. then we, my boyfriend, we'd to go to his parents on Christmas Eve, and it's just a whole bunch, yeah, it's so and it's back just and, forth. and 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 see this family starting to splinter off mm-hmm. as everybody is creating new families. It's sad. It is sad. It's sad, and I think that a lot of my obsession with Christmas was really just trying to hold on to the magic of my childhood mm-hmm. and that that feeling of of oneness with my family. Right. So
0: I think for me I am like on the opposite side of the spectrum mm. in that I was never a huge Christmas fan. Mm-hmm. I was never in fact I rather disliked for a long time up until recently, mm-hmm. but for a long time I disliked the holidays because I'm not I'm <clears throat> I'm very much like an extroverted introvert. Mm. So I, I value my alone time like Mm -hmm. intensely. Mm -hmm. And for me, the holidays would be a big stress because, because I'm a part of a huge family. Mm -hmm. And I also don't have the most, um, open and like intimate and honest relationship with my family. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a bit more, um, reserved Mm -hmm. and a bit more distanced. Mm -hmm. So and that's not how I am. I'm not a small talk person. I'm mm-hmm. not any of that. So having that around the holiday times and like constantly being around that for a long time as a kid was like, like I mm-hmm. I wanted nothing less. Mm. But um it's nice to get to be with everyone. But I think it's just, it's still hard. And I think especially with where we are in the world, yeah. economically, yeah. everything, like I feel like Christmas is starting to become... More of a stress to people. Yeah. And, you know, like there was not a lot of gift giving that happened with even with me, which is not an issue. Right. But with even with my other friends and their families, like it's it's less of like this special thing and it's more of like, oh well Like, let's see if we can we can do it again.
1: Yeah, and as opposed to really thinking about uh, what can I get this person Mm -hmm. that would be really special to them, it's almost like just buying like whatever junk you can Mm -hmm. find that you think that they might like and hoping that they like it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I bought my brother and my brother-in-law. Yeah, no, yeah, (laughs) brother-in-law. My sister's husband, my (laughs) brother-in-law. I bought him this like ridiculous cat sweater because i thought it would be hilarious because he loves cats so i bought him this really because i saw it on instagram and i'm a sucker for those instagram Duh, ads of
0: course they always
1: catch you i know and so it's a cat it's a sweater that has a huge zippered pocket in the front that you can put a cat in and then it has a little Ugh. window where the cat can stick its head out of and obviously this is an incredibly improbable piece of totally. wardrobe that a mm-hmm. cat would actually enjoy being yeah, in like probably Like literally hate it, but yeah. 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 Um, But I had to get it anyways because I thought it was so funny. And of course it came from China and of course it was terribly made and like we couldn't even zip it up.
0: No, it was four sizes too too small. Yeah, it was was too small,
1: small, exactly. And I gave it to him thinking, oh, I'm so funny. And then like he tried it on and I was like, this is so stupid. (laughs) What was I (laughs) I thinking? He's never ever going to wear this. This was such a waste of money. Uh Uh-huh. And he actually put you know thought into my gift, and I was just like, "Oh, funny like, cat sweater." <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I would have
0: thought too. That's in your head. You're like, "God, I am the funniest person that's yes. ever existed." Yes, right now. I think that often. That. Yeah, I'll be like, "I'm going to give this person this gift, and they are going to." It's it's hilarious because they love this. Yes, never. Yeah, never. Not you go into the situation thinking you're thinking you are like pinnacle of of intelligence and comedy <laughs> yes. and then you and then you give this gift or you say this joke and it not only does it flatline but you get a dirty look from <laughs>
1: yes it. Yeah. and he obviously you know had good humor about it right. and you know was like oh hilarious oh, haha, and i was like god that was a stupid <laughs> idea so god i'm so stupid yes yeah. anyways um so you are a Los Angeles native. I am fresh, one of the few. Fresh, yeah. yeah. Where would yeah. you grow up? I so I
0: grew up in Riverside. I mm-hmm. grew up in this small town, which I won't disclose exact the mm-hmm. exact place, but I will say that it is known in the U.S. as Horsetown, USA.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: So more more like dirt sidewalks than there were. I mean, there isn't. There is not a like single cement sidewalk. Wow, walkway. I, mm-hmm. I mean, there probably is. I'm probably being intensely dramatic, but but everywhere is like dirt. There, horses everywhere. Mm. It's like if you've ever seen like Friday Night Lights.
2: Mm-mm.
0: It's um, it's like a football town. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone there's. It's very small. Mm-hmm. Everyone who went to high school there stayed there and mm-hmm. had kids and is So every it's it's definitely a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that's where that's where I grew up up until. Up until, uh, I was 19 and then I moved to Orange County to Mm -hmm. be closer to Los Angeles for work. And recently I got to move down, down to the beach and now I live right on the coast.
1: Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So now
0: I'm so much closer to LA. Yeah. See the ocean; it's really cool.
1: That's awesome. It's cool.
0: It's been a cool progression of things. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it's difficult to get property by the ocean, but there's Mm -hmm. something very magical about Mm -hmm. about the sea and the ever-changing landscape. Oh yeah,
0: even even the air is completely different. Yeah, I think living like inland and just seeing all the smog and being able to just like breathe. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's 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 a whole different world.
1: I live on the west side, and I've always lived near the ocean. And even though I don't go to the beach that much, mm-hmm. there's something about being in the proximity yeah. that I really like.
0: It's, it's something about the essence. I think it just yeah. feels it feels very close to like I was trying to explain it to my grandma. Like it feels very close to nature. Mm-hmm. I think like feeling close, like being close to water. It's like mm-hmm. it's like I don't know. It's like home almost in a yeah. sense that I don't know.
1: Yeah, well, it's definitely. I feel a little less trapped, mm-hmm. though. To be fair the water is not exactly it's a great thoroughfare. Freedom, yeah. yeah. It's uh, not like you can just, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, at least they can't build out into the water. So right. it's like that part, of the space mm-hmm. will always be just that. Right. Which is kind of nice. Exactly. And then it's maybe continual. even more as global warming brings the water in, <laughs> closer yeah. and closer
0: down the coast. I know. Now, now we'll just have
1: more ocean, more yeah, beach. Yay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe so actually so. eventually my home will be beachfront property someday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna and hang that, on to that. And that
0: value is gonna go right
1: up. <laughs> right. Um, so. How long have you been in the adult industry?
0: So, I've been in it I've been not in a long. I've been in the adult industry for a little over a year and a half.
1: Oh, wow. Which So, not long at all.
0: Not long at all, but also longer than most people like expect, I think because I have um definitely had a very recent uprising of mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. Um but I started originally um I started on Pornhub, and I made, like, a model account with them with my ex. Mm-hmm. And we started making videos together. Just, like, it started off kind of as de- desperation. Mm-hmm. I had just quit my job, mm-hmm. and he he had just lost his job at the time. And um, we both didn't know what we were going to do, and we were looking for places that where we lived, and nothing was happening for us. And what so were you
1: doing before?
0: I was— I. Any job that would come around. Okay. I, I worked at I worked at a Jersey Mike's.
1: Okay.
0: I worked as a hostess in a upscale, not upscale restaurant. Mm-hmm. I was a sales rep in um, a boutique that was actually owned by my mom mm-hmm. for years, and so I just kind of okay. you know, did. Yeah. I was a butterfly, and I just kind of like did what would happen, and mm-hmm. and there came that point where we were looking for jobs, and it nothing was coming up. I. I don't even know how many jobs I applied to and how many different positions. I mean, I applied to be a dance teacher for children. I applied to work at a Starbucks. I applied at Ulta. I applied at Target. Like anything, anything that would come and nothing. So we got really desperate and we were like, you know, model like Pornhub like has like a verified model situation where you can get paid to make videos. And we created an account and we tested out couple of videos just to even see if it would be like receptive or if mm-hmm. people would like that. And so we made sure like our faces weren't in it and like, we didn't have any tattoos. Interesting. Okay. And we tested it out and people really liked it. And so I did like a video with my face and then like people, people really liked it.
1: Once they saw your face, they were like, Oh my
0: goodness. Once I like showed my face. You do have a lovely face. Thank you. I already told you that. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, yeah. Once, once I showed my face, it went kind of crazy and we, we, Built this audience on Pornhub very quickly, and and then I got recognized by studios, and then all of a sudden I was doing all these solos and all these different places, and I think things didn't get like crazy big for me until I got to work with Trans Angels, mm-hmm. and then that's just kind of where
1: right. And they've signed you to a contract, and don't. you're the first trans performer, Mind Geeks, ever signed to a contract, right?
0: I, I am. That's correct. awesome. I am. It's crazy. I think I'm like the second. Trans performer in all of history in the mm-hmm. industry to get a contract. The first being Abricate with Evil Angel. Right. So, it's
1: were you surprised?
0: Sh- shocked. Uh, like, I think I come from a theater background, mm-hmm. so which helps me in my profession now because there is obviously acting that goes along with it. Yeah. But mostly, I have as a as a dancer. I have. I think a hyper-awareness of my body.
1: Yeah, you know, I often say that great models have a dancer's background because Mm -hmm. they have that body awareness. Mm -hmm. It's, It's very, like, the
0: issue, I think, with modeling, or not even modeling, but I guess modeling, but erotic modeling, is that, like, a lot of it has to do with, like, especially specifically just in pictures like a lot of it is literally just like one thing a lot of it is isolated it's like you have to have your head over here but your body's over here Oh, totally. And, but then your ass is over here so it's like about learning how to properly position mm-hmm. yourself <laughs> yeah. in a way that like looks proportionate and also
1: in a way that's attractive, in a way that shows off right. the the goods, the things that people want to see, exactly. right?
0: But also looking natural. Right. So.
1: Exactly. That, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And I would argue, in fact, that erotic modeling is uh, more challenging than regular modeling for sure. Totally. Because first of all, you're not hiding anything under clothes, right? And right. And you are, Fully, it's a very... It's very exposing. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. It's, it's very um, open Yes. There's nothing to hide. Nope. So in in you know in normal yeah. quote unquote modeling I think it's like a lot about the shape but mm-hmm. with erotic modeling there is obviously an intention mm-hmm. and there is you go on a journey to get to a destination.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so you like you said like there are certain goods that you got to show
2: mm-hmm.
0: and showing showing the goods in a, in a good way right. is not always a natural way. Yeah. So it's about Finding the balance of all those millions of different things.
1: Yeah, believe me, I get it. Being, you know, coming from a glamour photographer background, Mm -hmm. I find. You know, what is lacking in a lot of people that I shoot these days is is that understanding of how to model for the camera, for photos, because video is so, it's all about video now, and Mm -hmm. photos are only done as an accompaniment to the video. So I'll get these performers that have a significant amount of experience that are very good at, you know, porn scenes Mm -hmm. and that are very popular, but they won't really understand modeling. And they'll admit it to me. They're like, you know, and then I'll give them all this direction, which, like you said, is usually small, isolated, tiny Mm -hmm. little movements. Most of the time, the direction that I give people is not a big change. It's a very small change. And I can't tell you how many times people tell me that they've never gotten direction before. Right. Like ever from a photographer. Mm -hmm. So they're really surprised and, and happy. And if I have time, which I often don't, I like to be able to show people the before and the after photo from when I gave them that direction so they can see why I the told them mm-hmm. to move, you know? And then when they see that, they, it validates. Like, oh, yeah. now I understand what you were trying to do. Right. And then they keep that in mind for when they, cause it's just practice, you know,
0: that that's literally all it is. It's like, it's muscle memory. Mm-hmm. It's like learn. It's like training how to know you just got to know what looks good. And, and it never changes. The right. form, the formula never changes. Right. So once you master it, then you have it but mm-hmm. it's about it's about mastering it that's the hardest part
1: right right so do you feel a sort of responsibility as one of the first trans contract performers to represent the trans community in a certain way at all does anybody ever put that pressure on you um yes and no do you feel like you've been made a spokesperson in a way a little bit and
0: i think <clears throat> i think that has been both beneficial and negative for mm-hmm. me. I think um just in general I'm a bit of an outspoken person about how I feel politically mm-hmm. and just about everything about right. my opinions. Um and there are a lot of people who really appreciate that and there are a lot of people who like you know the internet is a toxic place, and so like
1: sure Reddit
0: and like Twitter, there are a lot of people who think like I'm a raging bitch, <laughs> just, just for this whole reason that I believe that like I get irritated that people tell me what I should and shouldn't do with my body, mm-hmm. even though I'm aware that being public that there is a certain part of me and my body that no longer belongs to me Mm. as a performer because it is out there for people to consume.
1: Mm -hmm. It's like if you're selling it, then people have a right to comment on the thing that they're paying for. Right? Though most people aren't paying for porn, but we won't go there. Yeah, that's a a whole other topic we'll get into. But I think
0: a lot of it, which I can, I appreciate constructive criticism. I want constructive mm-hmm. criticism because I am very much a perfectionist, mm-hmm. and I like to be the absolute best to my abilities, and when I'm not, I'm very hard on myself mm. more than I need to be. Mm-hmm. But, oh my god, I don't even remember what I was saying. You were
1: talking about <laughs> um, just negative feedback online. Yeah, a lot of it is and... not even constructive. No. A lot of it, most of it is
0: people literally just telling me what they think is pretty. When I cut off my hair, that even still to this day, like, I have an intense amount of negative comments of people who are not even like, oh, it looks bad on you, but people who are like, women with short hair are just, blah, 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 blah. yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's a lot of it is like just uneducation and yeah. like personal bias. Yes. So, I. Get irritated with that, but I encourage constructive criticism. Right. Because I always want to be better.
1: Yeah, but you're always going to get just people who just like to criticize. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do, and I actually did this the other day, was to go through the comments on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And there's no greater cesspool of negative comments than uh, on YouTube. YouTube. Oh
0: my God, it's wild on YouTube. And,
1: and, um, you know, and people will say all sorts of things from, I've had a few people complain that I don't wear enough makeup, which is weird. Uh, And then, which is gross, but we, I mean, whatever. So, but the greatest thing was I was watching these conversations that happen in the comments can sometimes be really, really interesting. And there was this one guy who was posting all of these really aggressive, like, I hate women. Women are whores. He even made some like kind of violent
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, insinuations And as I'm going through and I'm reading his comments, somebody like responded back to him and then he kind of caved, admitted he was an incel, that he was older, he was still a virgin, he had erectile dysfunction problems, and he hated women because like he hated himself. It was like this whole meltdown in the YouTube comments and I was like, whoa. And that was just this moment that reminded me and something that we need to remember often that these people who spew this kind of vitriol at you are usually people who are desperately unhappy. Happy mm-hmm. with their own situation in life, and it has much less to do with you than it has to do with their own totally. experiences. So, totally. but it was, it was, it was good to be reminded of that. But of the it was, humanity of yeah, it, yeah. Because I went from being like you, fucking piece of shit, to like, oh, you poor,
0: you poor thing. Actually, mm-hmm. you and poor. Thing. There are a lot of people on the internet who I see, like, like you said, like sometimes like very violent, mm-hmm. awful things that they say, and and the only thing that I can think is like, well, I first of all, I never like to. Th- write off anyone as a just a good or bad person. I, I think everyone's totally I think everyone's you. people, you know? When yeah, I'm like, and
1: everybody's a product of their own experiences. Exactly. And yeah.
0: like, you make the choice to do something bad. Mm-hmm. Maybe at a certain point when you've made, when you've continued to make many, many bad choices, you become, then you just are that person because you've chosen that. But I don't think inherently that anyone is a bad person. Yeah. And I think... Some
1: the, people lack; just they lack the
0: tools. They lack the tools to, to deal with to life, be able to communicate.
1: Yeah, like, and sometimes they lack like the actual um, psychological normal responses, right. like empathy. Right. Some people just literally, literally are not born with it. Right. Some people literally just
0: don't know how to be compassionate. Yeah. And that's not a malicious thing. That just genuinely is one how they were raised and how how they came out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. There are some people. There are some things that people just cannot learn. Yeah. Um, which is hard because I think that we, you know, especially, especially as of the recent years, like we live in such like, um, like a, an intense cancel culture, mm. which I think is positive and negative.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely spun out of control a couple times. I
0: think even still, I think a lot of, I think a lot of it nowadays is spun out of control in the sense that I think there are a lot of people who, made decisions when they were younger or said dumb things when they were younger yeah. that are now being reprimanded for mm-hmm. 10 years later as mm-hmm. an adult yeah as if you know obviously some there's not always an evolution between what you thought then and what you think now because yeah. there are you know there are racist people there are homophobic people there are all these different things mm-hmm. but i think like Having someone lose their job because they said and a something offensive about a gay person on Twitter in 2007 mm-hmm. is so is is also you have to think of the time and the place of where we were
1: mm-hmm.
0: in that that was a big part of comedy.
1: Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, oh, totally. And
0: specific, like specifically about like gay people, like gay jokes, still even today, but m- very much like. I think in uh, ten years ago, it was like it was it was a very big thing in comedy and in just the world and how we all talk to people to be like sometimes like very offensive. Yeah, like I overtly mean, offensive.
1: Yeah, we were definitely in a different place mentally and socially. Mm-hmm. You can't. I think I, I agree with you. I think it's unfair to hold people responsible, um, accountable for to today's standards to a decade ago. Right. Two decades ago. And also, too, the issue with the fact that the internet is now this platform where everything that you have said is yeah. now recorded for all eternity. I feel so grateful that I did not grow up with the internet because mm. I was did a lot of stupid shit when I was younger. Right. And thank God, Twitter... Instagram, (laughs) wasn't around to capture all of that. I cannot imagine what it's like to grow up in a world where everything you do is on permanent record. It's
0: crazy. It's scary. scary. It's very scary. It's scary to feel like whether you choose to take part in social media or not, there is, I think there's almost like an exclusion that if you don't, there's a whole world that you're missing out on. Mm -hmm. But when you're in that world... You're not missing out on much. Yeah, you know. I think
1: also too. There's this idea that if you're not on social media, that you have something to hide. So, for example, right. a friend of mine was trying to go on some dating sites, um, you know, Match and and whatever, and he didn't have an Instagram. He did no social media profiles because he mm-hmm. hates social media, right. and. A lot of times he came up against this wall where girls that he was going to go on a date with kind of wanted to look him up on social media, kind of get an idea of what kind of person he was, what kind of friends he had cuz mm-hmm. you know you do your research. Right, you want to you want And none of that was out there. And so they were kind of out. like what's wrong with this guy? Is he like a serial killer mm-hmm. because he doesn't have a social media profile? He's got something to hide. I mean, I how, that's crazy. It's crazy, that's right? Crazy.
0: But it also kind of makes I, sense. I was literally going to say that's crazy, but I could also sit here like rationally and say like I would yeah. probably feel the same way. Like totally, a li- not maybe to the full extent where like I'm not going to talk to this person, mm-hmm. but like I'd I'd be like, well, what do you have to hide? Even though I think we don't understand, it is no one's business to know your life. Yeah, it is, and we're so used to that that like everyone sees everything or. Not everything, but what we put out. Yeah. So everyone is used to seeing. Oh, well, you hang out with this person and you hang out with that person, and this is what you believe, and this is what you don't. That it's almost like you, there, there's there's some, there's something about you, right? There's, some, there's something there's there's a bad thing waiting to happen. Yeah. Which is.
1: Yeah. Wild. Yeah, it's a crazy world we live in. So you have a YouTube channel. I do. Called Here on Neptune. I do. And what kind of things do you post generally on there? <laughs> That's a
0: great question. Um, I have not figured out yet what I want to do with my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of going along with it at Mm -hmm. the moment. A lot of it has been fueled by um, people on the internet wanting to know more about me, which is super cool. Mm -hmm. I think that's because I'm not a very... um, I have social media, Mm -hmm. obviously, but I don't, like, share a lot on social media. I don't, like, Really talk about my feelings, or like I don't even really post like pictures with my friends. Like I kind of just post pictures of myself. Mm-hmm. My social media is more for work, work, and mm-hmm. it's more for like people to be aware that I'm still alive. Yeah. Um. So my YouTube channel mostly started from people who were like, I want to like you know actually know your life and mm-hmm. know these things. And majority of my videos have been me just literally talking about my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I've started to go more in the route of you know makeup. Which I think everyone does, like everyone's like, everyone's like an influencer nowadays, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be an influencer, but I just like to do makeup, and I've become very good at my makeup, mm-hmm. and I like to talk about myself while I do my makeup, so that's just kind of what it's become
2: mm-hmm.
0: um but I'd love to like incorporate maybe not necessarily even things about my career since I think that I'll be able to now more so than ever I'll be able to openly talk about my career on mm-hmm. social media and be able to get to do all these things, but um to talk about, like, my own experiences literally just as a normal human being because I do think people are disconnected from that. Yeah. And I think that is something that's so, like, fascinating to people is, like, porn stars, like, talking about their, like, normal lives. Yeah. That's... I don't know why that... I mean, I get why it's so fascinating, but it's, like, so intriguing for people to, like, know that we live yeah, like everyone else. are real human beings. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because I think most people could never possibly imagine themselves as a porn star. Right. They could never imagine having that kind of life, being that kind of person, putting themselves out there mm-hmm. sexually. So it's almost like they're alien people to them. And then right. to learn that they are, you know, in the mainstream media often feeds this idea that porn stars are drug addicts and they all come from broken right. homes and, and they're and all yeah, been molested. Yeah. yeah. And they're all miserable. Right. And so if you can, you come across as a somewhat normal person, person or just even more of like a human being. I think that always surprises people.
0: I think so too. I think it's like the same thing with like prostitutes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's immediately all sex workers. Like that's, yeah. that's where it's put. Like we all came from and a lot, of, I'm not going to say that most of us don't have right. bad places that we've come from, of course, but it's the assumption that because of those bad places, we've now ended up in this other bad place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I, th- I, don't feel that way at all about porn I th- I I think that they're you know I think it it takes a lot of strength to be able to do porn mm. I that doesn't uh, take away from that I know I know many people and I know that there are many people who do it because they're not strong mm-hmm. and because they are insecure mm-hmm. and need validation which is not a wrong thing but I'm mm-hmm. saying that it's very it's it's equally as like strong as it is very vulnerable.
1: Yeah, it can be a place for it's interesting how it can be one thing to one person and one thing to another. For one person it can be somewhere where maybe They, you know, come from a traumatized past Mm -hmm. and it continues to feed into that trauma and makes it worse. But I've also talked to people who have come from a traumatized past and they've used porn to reclaim their sexuality and to reclaim their power. Mm -hmm. And it's given them confidence and it's given them financial independence, which they never had before. So it's interesting how it can have... It can be a completely different experience for different people. And that's all I really ever wanted to communicate with this show was that I'm not saying that porn is great for everybody. Mm -mm. It is absolutely not. not. It is the wrong job for a lot of people. But it's the right job for some people. And I just feel like one should maybe be open to the idea that everybody's experiences are individual and perhaps Mm -hmm. allow each person to talk about their own experiences and maybe believe people when they say that it isn't a horrible place for me and Mm -hmm. it's not a horrible place for everybody. Right. Just, just to be open to the idea that different people can have different experiences.
0: I totally, I totally agree. And I think that like, I'm probably one of those people that like, I think I come from a very anti-sex home. Mm. Like we were raised just conservatively, not even necessarily politically, but like conservatively in the sense that my mom was just someone who very much cares about appearance Mm -hmm. and, um, appearing too sexual or appearing too out there or appearing to anything that wasn't like perfect and like Mm -hmm. was, was not good. And so like, Sex was like very much like a weird taboo thing for me because I was made to feel kind of bad about it.
2: Mm.
0: And through porn, I think I had like a an ebb and a flow where, and I'm sure that it's always going to ebb and flow about how I feel because it also goes hand in hand with your job, how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. So it, there's always going to be a dip and a divot, but. um I think like I started doing it, and I really started to feel kind of more empowered because for a long time as a trans woman, I felt very shameful, and I still do about my body and about even like my body like function. Like I, in scenes, often I I I struggle with apologizing far too much, Mm -hmm. and I apologize intensely like whenever I get hard or whenever I like. Like whenever I like leak too much, or you know, mm-hmm. like and like any of the bodily functions that I'm supposed to be doing for my job, I apologize for because I have this like this like cloud in my head almost of of shame because of all the different intersections of my Mm self-esteem and how i view trans people and how i view myself as a trans person how other people view trans people how i view myself as a porn star it's like all these yeah all these conglomerate things that like all tie into one another and for me i felt very excited and very like oh like people really like think i'm beautiful like maybe Mm -hmm. maybe i can see that a little bit more Mm -hmm. and then i felt very shameful Mm -hmm. because i was like okay well i'm you know i know what my family is already going to think when i do this and then of course my family found out that's a whole thing that we'll get into very soon yeah um but now as i have grown now as i am a contract star now i think that i'm starting to feel kind of like um a boss bitch and i'm <laughs> on top of my shit i i now more so ever in my life Even if there are things that I'm shameful about or things that I regret, I'm the most empowered that I've ever been, and I am the happiest I've ever been with myself. And that is because of the work that I've done, but it's also because of the career that I have. Mm -hmm. So without porn, I don't think that I would be in the place that I am. I think there were obviously negative things that have happened that have affected me, Mm -hmm. but overall, it has changed my life for the better, financially, emotionally, everything
1: wow so that's awesome cool. alright we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back I, I definitely want to talk to you more about being trans yeah. and um, how you feel about what you said just now about um, how you feel about getting hard in scenes and stuff like that mm-hmm. is, is really interesting to me so uh, we'll be right back guys Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by mygirlfund.com Sometimes it's hard to meet sexual partners in real life, and porn doesn't always offer you that erotic intimacy that you're looking for. Say hello to MyGirlFund.com. MyGirlFund allows you to form virtual relationships with the women of your fantasies. Looking for that girl next door? On MyGirlFund.com, you can message, share photos and videos, and cam with these women in private. These are not adult stars. They're regular women who want to dirty chat and or share nude content, but on a safe and discreet platform. My Girl Fund allows its female members to control their exposure. They connect with who they want to connect with, control how they want to interact, and decide what they charge for interaction. Everything is negotiated one-on-one, and since 2009, My Girl Fund has cultivated a community of friendly, sexy women who want to meet you. So, go to mygirlfund.com to sign up and meet the girl next door. She's waiting. Holly Randall Unfiltered is also brought to you by Manscaped. You guys, it's 2020. And you've already watched the ball drop on New Year's Eve. So don't drop the ball on your balls and don't even think about dropping your hairy balls into anybody's mouth this year. That is why you need the Manscaped Lawnmower 2.0 electric trimmer. This has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag any nuts. This trimmer will treat your balls gently, just like your lover will the next time they encounter your smooth testicles. I mean, unless you want them treated roughly, hey, everybody's got their thing, and I ain't judging. But nobody has a thing for hairy balls, so get yours looking clean and presentable with Manscaped. But it's not just about a trimmed bush, it's also about a good-smelling one, and Manscaped also has that covered. Their Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, and it smells heavenly. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOLLY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com and make sure that you use my code HOLLY. Cheers to the new year and cheers to your newly clean and trimmed balls. Thanks, Manscaped. You are doing a service for humanity. Okay, so we're back. So you touched upon something that is really interesting to me. So you mm-hmm. talked about how sometimes getting hardened scenes mm-hmm. or maybe like when you say leaking, you mean like pre cum? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't sure
0: how much how vulgar. Oh, you I'm can be as vulgar as you want. Cool, yeah, cool, yeah. Cool. No, no, no. Cool. Don't.
1: There's no censoring. It's fine. Perfect. Um, what do you mean by that? And and why so? Is it? Yeah. You, I'm not going. No, 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 no. I'm not good. going to assume. I'm going to let you tell me. How you no, feel about No, no. Yeah.
0: Um, I think it's. It, well, I know exactly where it comes from, and mm-hmm. I know exactly what it um, feeds into, and I think just for me. Um, I still, even though I'm much happier than I was, I think for a lot of trans people, like, bottom dis, dy- like, dysphoria with your genitals right. is, is, um, very strong and very mm-hmm. prevalent. And for a long time, all throughout, even all throughout high school, I, I said, as soon as I'm 18, as soon as I get out, I'm gonna get the surgery. The mm-hmm. surgery. Everyone mm-hmm. says the surgery. Um, and that's going to be the thing that's going to complete me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, that's when I'm going to feel happy about myself. That's when I'm going to feel like who I am. And that's what, that's what's going to make me. And I worked diligently, um, throughout high school to get all the paperwork and all the things done so I could get my surgery as soon as I turned 18. And when I turned 18 with my provider, um, one of my nurses left. So I got put into a black hole which essentially when nurses leave their jobs, sometimes there are patients who are forgotten and don't get transferred over to another care patient or mm-hmm. the, you know what I'm saying. Provider, yeah. Another provider. Um, I was one of those people that got lost in the mix. And so for that year, up from the time I was 18 to the time I was 19, I was calling them incessantly about these appointments that I needed to do and all these different things. And... um <clears throat> it was, it was also a painful experience for me getting ready to do this, like, with the pro- provider that I had. Um, it was required to get electrolysis on my genitals mm-hmm. for the surgery, which is different, which is a form of hair removal, mm-hmm. which is far different from laser. So. Interesting. Yeah, so laser is like, it's like a, They use like literally a light Mm -hmm. and they click it and it feels like a little rubber band snap. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a little stronger for a lot, Mm -hmm. for some people. But um, it's just a light that basically kills the follicle in that stage of growth. And there's Mm -hmm. many different stages, so you have to do it multiple times. But laser is not permanent and it only gets, it gets rid of a lot, but it only gets rid of so much. Electrolysis is the only known form of hair removal that is permanent. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they take a single needle and they, Put it into the follicle of the hair, and so they put it in your skin, and they shock the follicle, and then until it's dead, and then they pluck it out.
1: Oh, that sounds significantly more painful, and also much more time-consuming. Right? Very time-consuming. I actually didn't realize there was a difference between the two. So you just educated me. Yeah.
0: No. That that's that's what that's a big thing is that like it's, it's very it's very painful. Yeah. Um, and so I would have to go on these like. Two hour long sessions and you know they of course they give you numbing and they do all these things but numbing can only do so much especially yeah. that is such a sensitive area there are so yeah. many nerves that aren't really ever touched it's not it's not going to hurt me if i do my yeah. arm because even if i'm not constantly hitting my arm i'm constantly rubbing it with yeah, t-shirts yeah, yeah. and jackets you know there there's not as much sensory there but that's a very very sensitive place and It hurt. Like, I remember I was like on, like, I was, I had to be drugged up. I was like on Norco's with numbing cream, and like, I I had to be like basically knocked out for them to do it. And I have a high pain tolerance. Mm -hmm. I have a very high pain tolerance. So there came a certain point, especially after I was trying to get them to hurry the surgery along, that I was like, this is not even worth it anymore. And I started porn, and I started to be finally more okay with myself, and I kind of was able to detach that. From for me in my head, and I think for a lot of people, not trans, but also trans, that like that's what makes you a woman mm. is the idea that like, well, you know, you're not gonna be a full woman till you have a vagina. You're not right. gonna be a full woman until you have the full package. Right. And I think it was a whole experience of unlearning that and being able to separate that in my head, which I still struggle with. Um because there are other medical anomalies and I like to break down for a lot of people, for a lot of people who don't understand or who have very specific views because they're religion or, you know, they're very scientific. They think that um a lot of people believe that, you know, it's just, it's male and female and that's, that's it and that's how it should be.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, there are mixes, up in between that, and mm-hmm. there are chromosomes that get messed up, and there's making a child is such a crazy process mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people don't understand um, all the chemicals and all all the different things that have to come together to be able to make a child, right? And there are people who are born with amalgamations of you know different parts or 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 have different sex characteristics that aren't just male or just female. Mm -hmm. And so that's my thing that I have to explain to people is that um, it's very much a mental thing. Mm -hmm. And there have been studies done that trans people, there's a certain formation that um, all of our brains are made in, right? Mm -hmm. And male and female brains are formed differently. And there was a study done that trans people, their brains are formed closer or you know are are formed like the sex that they identify with as opposed right. to the sex that they're born with right so for me it was learning to detach the penis <laughs> from the lady
1: yeah
0: because for me that's what I thought I was like I'm not I'm never going to be a woman unless I have a vagina but it's, it's about experience, I've yeah. learned, is that, like, that's going to make me a woman, but then I look out in the world, and I walk out every day, and I go, and I talk to different people, and I go to these restaurants, and people, you know, refer to me as she, mm-hmm. and, you know, which is the pronoun I identify with, mm-hmm. but I'm, and that, there comes another system that comes to play, is like, I, I'm lucky, and I'm privileged in that sense that I pass, mm-hmm. And not a lot of trans people do. Mm. And, but, but because I do have that, I do have that privilege and I am lucky to have that. I see on the other side that people aren't referring to me as she and people aren't saying that because they're being nice mm-hmm. anymore. It's been a long time since I, like, someone in public has been like, what are you? Like, you know, has said yeah. something to me. And, a lot of people aren't doing it because they're just being kind. A lot of people are doing it because they see me as a woman. Yeah. And so I learned that, like, regardless of whether I, what I view up here, down here, whatever, like, mm-hmm. I live my life as a woman.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's another misconception that people should w- work on unlearning is that, like, I'm not a drag queen. Mm-hmm. That, that's a difference. There are trans women who are drag queens, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not taking, there's not a wig that I'm taking off at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. There's not, like, some reveal, like, Sure, I don't wake up looking like this, but I wake up looking like this with mascara off. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't
1: wake up looking like this either. Exactly. So like,
0: (laughs) there's, I'm not, I'm not faking you out. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to trap you. Yeah. I'm not trying to make you think that I'm anything other than exactly what I am. And I don't feel like I should have to disclose to every single person that I am trans. Mm -hmm. Because that, that is a very intimate part of my life. And I feel like, there are not a lot of people who are okay with that. And there are a lot of people who I will meet who are not going to be okay with that, but they'll never know that about me. Right, right. So so that all ties into like when I do these scenes, I get embarrassed about getting hard because like I almost, and I'm working against it, but yeah. I almost kind of feel like it's unladylike in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I feel very like coy and I feel like very much like I have to hide it because it's like, Because I feel like, oh, like it's not, sorry, it's, it's, I, that the only way that I can explain is like it doesn't, it's not ladylike and it, it seems sometimes like so masculine to me, Mm -hmm. which is my own issue that I have to work on, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that whole thing, but. But that's where that comes from. It's like I, I get embarrassed that my body is working exactly how my body should work right. because of because I've got this thing in my head where I'm like, I this is not like how it's supposed to be. Like yeah. I'm sorry. And that's how I feel even in dating or in not even in just scenes in like life. I'm like when I meet a guy or when I'm having sex with a guy off camera, like I'm typically constantly apologizing, like, oh like I'm sorry, and I'm typically very embarrassed because right. like I feel like
1: That's gotta be so that's got to be yeah. a fucking struggle. It's I mean, wild. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. You know, it's so easy for like a cisgender person, like myself, mm-hmm. to just be like, "I'm a woman, and I identify as a woman, and this is an easy thing." But right. I can't imagine being born into a male body, right. feeling the way that I feel, and like the struggle that mm-hmm. that, that must. That that must be. I mean, yeah. that's just like that's just yeah so you know, I really commend you on being so open and talking about Thank it you. and educating people you know like myself who who don't really understand who mm. don't understand what it's mean it's like to be trans right and, you know so many and it's only something that we've sort recently talking about and being open about yeah it's 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 very new and I think that because there is now hyper visibility,
0: mm-hmm. people think that I mean, especially with the political climate, everything is very good guy or bad guy and so anyone that is more on the liberal side Mm
2: -hmm.
0: is a snowflake and Mm -hmm. so i think a lot of like these these things that i'm saying make sense when you break them down like that Mm -hmm. but we are so used to now being on who's good and who's bad that Mm -hmm. we just bark at each other yeah and a lot of people what they need to understand is you have to meet them where they're at yeah you have to you have to instead of just expecting for someone to understand you have to make them understand in their own way of understanding
1: right because people view you through the lens of their own experiences exactly
0: and so I can't I can't bark at people and expect them to know that what I'm like what know how I feel one or to even understand the language because there is there is a very much evolved and much more intelligent language of I mean trans identities but even romantic relationships and mm-hmm. and in porn and, mm-hmm. and all these different things. It's about it's just about learning the language and learning how to compassionately communicate that. Because mm-hmm. same thing goes, Like not everyone immediately is a bad person. Whether I agree with you politically or not, I'm going to talk to you respectfully mm-hmm. and try to get you to understand what I'm saying. If you're being an asshole and you just think that you're right because you just think that you're right and you just, you know, whatever, and you're hateful, that's whatever. Fine. Fuck you. But, yeah, but you, I think we have to calm down on people being misunderstanding of things that they don't know.
1: Right, right. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. So when you do have sex, I guess in scenes and in your personal life, what, what do you like to do? Like, do you, mm-hmm. what's your preference in terms right. of lovemaking?
0: Right. I think, well, for me, I, which might sound really stupid now that I think about it, like there are people who have very specific kinks. And they know exactly what they want. Mm. And for me, like sexually, and I say this, <laughs> it sounds so so dumb, trying to come out. But like, truly, like for me, the only, like the only, not the only thing, but like the thing that really, really gets me going is like feeling like feminine and mm-hmm. like feeling beautiful. Like mm-hmm. that's that's like the number one turn on for me. And like mm-hmm. not just like oh you're hot, like but like genuinely feel like someone like is attracted to me Mm -hmm. and that someone finds me beautiful and they treat me gently and they don't just treat me like a fuck toy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that is like that, that is the thing that like drives me wild, which is stupid. But, um, I
1: I mean, I think anybody that makes you feel the way that you like to feel, that makes sense. Right. But do so? Do you like to be penetrated? Do you like to penetrate? Do you go back and forth? I see. I kind of.
0: I well, I don't. Re- I'm one of those people. I don't have sex outside of work. Realistically, mm. I wish that I did. Mm-hmm. Dating is just a hard thing for me. Yeah. Also because I'm out of a two year relationship. So mm-hmm. like I'm like <laughs> I'm like good on relationships for a yeah. long time. Um. But also because like as a trans person, I think it it's sometimes it's so disheartening to like. Not to have to disclose my identity to anyone, but it's disheartening to like disclose it. And sometimes people don't even like, aren't even interested in knowing a question because they already have their mind up and so you're gone. Mm -hmm. That's just, it sucks that like, that's a very intimate and personal part of me. And that's a very big part of me. And people can just like write it off so quickly. Yeah. So
1: you feel like people won't even give you an opportunity to get to know you as a person before they've made their decision about how they're going to feel about you. Mm
0: -hmm. All the time. And it sucks, but you know it is what it is. I I on my like on my sexual pref or my position, I guess. Like I go back and forth. I'm mostly a bottom. Mm-hmm. That's that also goes hand in hand with like I like to be treated like I'm like small and feminine and beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I like to be like sometimes just like roughhoused. I I like to be like I like I want you to pick me up and throw me across the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm yeah. small and feminine yeah, beautiful. you are. Um, so I typically am a bottom. Um, also because, like, I get pleasure out of that. A lot of Mm -hmm. people, like, don't actually get pleasure out of the sensation, but I, I do, and I Mm -hmm. think I like it. Um, I've never really even topped much. I've only done it, like, in my adult life, like, twice. Mm -hmm. And, like, for, like, ten seconds at a time each, because it was, like, for the other person, it was, like, too much, and Mm -hmm. it was their first time. So...
1: So but when I don't you do it often. So as a trans performer, because I've never shot trans content, so right. I'm just curious. Do you get to come in and say, this is what I want to do? And is everybody different in terms of like
2: yeah. you know,
1: you just like this is this is how I do scenes, this is how right. I have sex, and and then the director's like, okay. Um yes and no. I think
0: it really depends on the company too. Okay. Um because there's a kind of a baseline of how everyone performs and it's just understood um like just for we'll we'll talk about crossover stuff I'll get I'll get to that cuz that gets very muddy but like just with the anatomy like especially like penises like mm-hmm. understanding that like especially us as trans women like it's different especially with hormones involved like things don't work as they normally would
2: mm.
0: when i my experience of like getting hard is completely different from before when I was on hormones. Mm-hmm. Even the sensation, like the things that I feel, the way that like my body reacts to touch, the way my all that is completely different from interesting when I was from before I was on hormones. Mm-hmm. So there's just there's a baseline understanding, but definitely it goes by company. Like they'll they'll expect things of you that maybe you're not comfortable with,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: some people are better communicating that at others. Mm-hmm. And there's been there's been a couple scenes where like. Just little stuff like things that like I remember I was doing a scene for Evil Angel and I was sucking a dick and I was deep throating, mm-hmm. which is, you know, fine. But then they plugged my nose mm. I never talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Never, never mentioned it. Never a single thing. But they plugged my nose and I like panicked and I was like, what the fuck? Like what, what's going on? Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, it looks good for camera. And so there are little things like that where they just kind of expect you to know Mm -hmm. or they just kind of expect you to go along with things, which Mm -hmm. I don't like.
1: Yeah, I think that's an issue across the board with everybody. Yeah. And something that we've been talking about a lot recently is the idea of consent and boundaries and talking about that before the scene. Right. Because this was something that we never did before, you know, the last few years right. where people it's, have finally been able to stand up. People and, just kind of got to do what they got to do. Yeah, and yeah. they're just like, okay, well, you know, I guess this is what I have to do because otherwise I won't get paid. Right. And, and which is scary. Yeah, which is which scary. Is, yeah. And I think the Me Too movement really helped contribute to the idea that performers should be able to mm-hmm. especially women should be able to have a voice in what's okay in what and what's they're not. okay with yeah. and what they're not. And yes. that should be communicated clearly before the scene. Oh yeah. Not yeah. have you have to jump back in the middle of it and being like, Oh my God, I I, I didn't I don't I like that. It wasn't, yeah. yeah.
0: I hate that. I hate that. And that's only happened to me like a couple times. Thank mm-hmm. God. I've, I've really been lucky to have good experiences so far. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it even goes into like, I wish companies would be better about like pairings as well. Yeah. Which I know that doesn't matter much, but like.
1: I think it does. I, th- I, I think it like, matters a lot. I feel like
0: it shows on yeah. camera. Like I no matter how good of a performer you are, when you actually, like, feel that connection Mm -hmm. or when you're genuinely attracted to each other, like, that comes out so differently on camera. Oh, my God, completely. And, you know, not ever... And maybe I sound like a bitch when I say that, and that's... Sometimes I am a bitch, but I, like, want to have... I want... I. I want to fuck people who want to fuck me. I don't, and I know that like obviously what we're doing is a job and there's Mm -hmm. a paycheck at the end of it, but I don't want you to fuck me for the paycheck. I don't want you to fuck me for any other reason except that you are attracted to me Mm -hmm. and I'm attracted to you. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's not the case and you know, I can't change that, but that's what I hope for. I'm super lucky with trans angels. Mm -hmm. I'll say.
1: Do they give you like a lot of creative
0: freedom? (sighs) Totally. More than, more than any other company, I think they've really allowed me to like kind of go off the deep end a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, with that theater background, I am also in my head. I've, <laughs> I, in middle school and in high school, I directed multiple productions. I wrote, directed and performed in a show in high school. So I've got very much got like a director's brain. So I'm thinking, yeah, about, that's thinking great. about lots of things. So, so there I had a conversation with them at the beginning of my contract Um, where they were like, well, basically you could have as much or as little creative input as you want. And I said, well, you're going to have to take the reins away from me because, (laughs) because I will do everything. Yeah. So we had a conversation and I gave them in that conversation, I think maybe like six or seven different concepts of Mm -hmm. scenes that I thought would be cool. And every single one, they were like, we love that. We, 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 we want to do that. So I've, I've made like scene breakdowns and, mood boards for multiple different concepts for them and they've written for every single one. That's great. Which is cool. So I, I, I'm getting to like live my fantasy of like yeah. things that I think would be really cool.
1: I will say from a producer's perspective, I feel like that's probably very welcome on their end. Because first of all, I mean I know that, you know, I, I shoot a lot for Twisties, which is a mind geek brand. Mm-hmm. And I know that they've been very much leaning towards a lot more of model input and mm-hmm. doing scenes that the model is really into and yeah. something that she identifies with. And again as a producer I feel like I would really welcome a performer who came to me with a mood board and right. like a schedule and like a script because first of all less work on my end. Totally. But also how wonderful to have other creative um, ideas. Right. You know, cause sometimes you just run out of ideas. You know, we've done this, been totally. doing this forever so many times. Totally. So it's so nice to have, you know, a fresh perspective and mm-hmm. somebody who's excited about, about shooting this kind of stuff and somebody who comes from experience. You know, right. you come from a theater background. You're not just some like random. random person who's like, let's <laughs> yeah. shoot a scene on the moon, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that kind of creative, um, conspiring is, is really cool and really fun and makes for a great a better scene for everybody because the performer is really into it, uh-huh. which always makes the scene go so much better. And then it's just like, it's more of a collaboration mm-hmm. and it's just, it's so much it's more, really nice. I, yeah.
0: I feel like it's more, so much more fun. Yeah. It, like you said, like it does less work on you. Yeah. But also like, it's cool that like, okay, well maybe, maybe we can't go this far, but we can have this and we can still both be satisfied. Yeah. I like that. And like you said, like, you know, people run out of ideas. I feel like, I feel like for me, often porn kind of, uh, always porn gets a bad rap. Mm-hmm. But I think porn for a lot of people is synonymous with cheesy.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I don't, I want to make porn that is not cheesy. Mm-hmm. And I know that corporate, mind geek, you know, especially trans angels, men.com, I know that there are a lot of things that are very much based on ads, mm. which is not an issue. You know, ads are how you promote, ads are, ads are how you make your money. Mm-hmm. But I think that We have gotten so focused on getting the most best shocking ad that's going to catch the eye that we've kind of lost the eroticism and Mm. like the sensuality of it. And it's almost become like it's like the narrative has been
1: lost in that clickbait.
0: Yeah, it's like we we've kind of made ourselves the laughingstock a little bit just not always there are a couple scenes that i've done where it's intentionally funny but yeah. often it is cheesy how often are you going to have the the pizza guy scenario you yeah. know like how many times can you see that yeah so my goal really is to like make porn that is like smart and realistic and sensual and erotic and also like educational mm-hmm. like as much as we don't think that it does porn totally affects what we think in the real world.
1: Well, yeah, especially now Mm -hmm. with, um, the proliferation of free porn, the internet and children watching porn. Totally. It's become sex education for a lot of people when that was never intended to be that. Mm
0: -hmm. And as bad as it is children watching porn, yeah, porn is also a bit, like you said, a big educational piece for a lot of people about how, what they learn and what they like. Yeah. And so I, for me, like, I don't want to see a 13-year-old trans girl who looks up all these situations and it's just her getting hate fucked by all mm-hmm. these men or you know I I would like to I would like to showcase like something I think porn is all always has been very much male based in mm-hmm. the sense of like it's going to be viewed by men.
1: Yeah, the audience is predominantly men.
0: Right. So I think that it would be cool to do something educational and cool for the other person. Cause I think mm-hmm. because it is so male centered, we can do, we can make everyone feel validated and feel sexy. Mm-hmm. So that's super my goal is to make less, just like less cheesy porn. I want like more storylines. Mm-hmm. I want even, even if it is cheesy, like go like go all the way and make it cheesy. You yeah, know? I because you can make, make it intentionally cheesy. Make it intentionally cheesy.
1: That's yeah.
0: Because like what, yes, you want
1: the effect to be intentional.
0: Exactly. Because if I want if I because here's the other thing too. Cheesy is not synonymous with bad. Right. So, but there's cheesy bad porn. Yes. You can have cheesy good porn. Yes. But it needs to be good porn. Yes. And so. And you can still do erotic porn, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's good erotic porn. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I just want to make like good porn. I want to make well acted porn. I want to make like something that like feels really real because that's clearly what, especially now, like you said, with free porn, with OnlyFans, with all these content creators making their own stuff. That's what people want to see. It's mm-hmm. like something that's really real. So I've got to create some cool cool stuff. I I've already had two of two of my concepts come out. We did like a burlesque. Well, may, mostly because I'm a narcissist, and I told them that I <laughs> told them that I like to dance, and that I wanted to show off the fact that I could dance, and so they wrote me a whole scene. So the burlesque one came out, and I just had like a masquerade scene that I thought of come out the other night.
1: I saw that actually. I watched a little bit of that. Yeah, that really cool. It,
0: it was. It's really cool, and it's really cool that I'm getting to do all these things. Oh, there's some, and there's so many scenes that I've shot too that we've I've gotten to create with Trans Angels that like I'm so proud of, mm-hmm. and. I am so excited and next month I have, I'm getting to, which is wild because I'm so new to the industry, but I'm getting to direct a series for them.
1: Oh, fantastic. So
0: wow. I'm very, very excited. I just want, I just want to make good porn. Mm-hmm. I just want to make educational porn. And I think that goes for not just me, not just because people need to be educated about being trans. It goes with everyone. I think there's like, especially like a racial divide. Mm -hmm. How often do you see black women in porn? I can name probably on one hand like five very famous female Mm -hmm. black porn stars. Mm -hmm. How often do you see those female black porn stars paired with other male black porn stars? Mm. Rarely ever. Yeah, You know, when you typically see a black person in porn, it's typically the really slutty black girl who seduces the white guy with a really big dick, or it's the tiny little white girl with a huge black guy. You know, it's never, it's never like, um,
1: it's interesting. It's like the white person is always the one who's being like, 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 not, I don't want to say the victim. That's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? They're the the more submissive, like, yeah, innocent. Totally. Totally. And yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a, Terrible projection of the racism that exists in our right. society, like, why, tenfold.
0: Yeah, and that's why I feel like that is so important to, like, n- like move away from that because it does affect how people
1: view mm-hmm. things.
0: And there are people who are racist and awful and who will, who, I've, you know, there's horror articles of people saying awful things, but, like, there are people who would, like, hate, fuck a black person just for the fact of like dom- like dominating yeah. that person and yeah. like being able to like control. Like that's crazy stuff to me.
1: Yeah. So, sexuality is a really like kind of twisted and perverted way to take out like your innermost issues. Like hatred. S- yeah. Hatred. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it can be a vehicle for, it's, it, it's the one thing that can be a vehicle for hatred and for love. And that's, and,
0: and which is such an interesting thing because hate and love are so at least, Chemically, similar. Oh, yeah. They're very.
1: They produce the same kind of like intense emotions. Mm -hmm.
0: So it's interesting to see how. Thin
1: line between love and hate. I
0: know. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So it's crazy to see that played out. And I think even in my community, like it's not trans culture to do sex work, but sex work is very deeply embedded in our history. Mm -hmm. And specifically for like black trans women, it's very much a real thing. And You know, a lot of white trans women get like, get employed. Like, I'm lucky that I'm pat, like, I can pass and I could be able to get a real job. Mm -hmm. I don't want one now, Mm -hmm. but I'm lucky that I even get that privilege Mm because there are a lot of trans women who don't pass and who don't have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And it's interesting seeing the same thing with not seeing really many black women in porn, not seeing many black trans women in porn. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: The black trans women are the ones who not only brought, us here, but also I mean we talk about Stonewall a lot as the start of the gay revolution, but mm-hmm. Stonewall was never about marriage equality, it was about police violence mm. and in the way that you know queer people were treated yeah. and vilified. So, yeah. So I think working on something that's more educational and something that's more realistic where we live in the melting pot, and so I think we should be showing all the colors.
1: I like that you're using your platform in sex work to really speak about the need for diversity and for rights mm-hmm. and for compassion and totally and all of those things. And I think it's I think one of the great things about there's a lot of horrible things about our society today, <laughs> but one of the nice things is that you know one can now use right the platform of sex work to talk about social issues that totally. are so much bigger mm-hmm. and you know people are starting to listen yeah
0: i'm i mean i'm like beyond lucky i'm so beyond lucky to be making money enough that i can support myself to get my own apartment like i am mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very lucky and i'm lucky to get the platform even though you know we get a bad rap i'm lucky to get the love and support that i do and i'm lucky that i can I don't know, I don't think I'm a very intelligent, I don't think I'm fantastic, I don't think all these wonderful things about me, but I do think that, like, I'm a very compassionate person, and I do think that, like, I genuinely want to see people succeed, and I love that I can maybe spread that and spread what I've learned about learning how to be more compassionate so that other people can learn as well. I love it. So...
1: Daisy, thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you I so much. I wish we much. had more time. I know, seriously. I we, feel like there was so many. There I like so many wrote things we could notes have about. and it's like it didn't even get to it. I know. It.
0: And you said, and you said, either you know, maybe we'll just like go by the book, or we'll just like let yeah. it flow. And we did not. I don't even. I think we maybe you may ask maybe two questions off the page. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah but so. that's great. For me, those are the best kinds of episodes because mm-hmm. then it's a much more organic conversation right. and it feels less forced. It's and less those are the more ones more. that I enjoy the me most. Too. Me too. So, me as well. So, so thank
0: you. No, thank you. It's Tr- like trust me, like it's a huge honor. I te- I like when when you messaged me, I was like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> I texted so many people. I said, I don't need you. I just need y'all to know that I'm <laughs> Holly Randall is asking for me to be on her podcast right now. So I just need you to know. <gasps> oh, so, thank you. Thank you.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, that's that's such a compliment. Can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? If you have anything particular that you want to plug,
0: totally. Um, you can find me everywhere: Instagram, Pornhub twitter youtube at here on neptune i don't know why i chose it don't ask but
1: i like <laughs> it i think it's a cool name. i mean
0: it's it's kind of cool and people always ask if i like know weird facts about neptune and i use and i learned them just for
1: you you need just to know for this. so
0: <laughs> so yeah but you can find me everywhere um at here on neptune h-e-r-e-o-n-n-e-p-t-e-e-p Oh, whatever. You know how to spell here on Neptune. Yeah, you. It's the three separate words, but just no spaces. Just put it all together.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. And uh, look out for more of Daisy's upcoming scenes that she's very much involved in creating on Trans Angels. And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Twitter and on Instagram. And just remember, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Unfiltered. I could not do this without your support. Love you so much. Happy holidays. Happy, yes, New, Happy Year. New Year. This actually comes out on New Year's Day. This Beautiful. comes out. On New Year's Day. We're starting it off right. So starting it off twenty twenty with Daisy, that's fucking that's awesome. That's crazy. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to my show. If you're a long-time listener or a new one, I've got a lot of interviews, so make sure you check out everything from the beginning of my catalog, because there's some real gems back in the early days of this show. And if you enjoy this show, there's a couple of things that you can do to support it. First of all, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, rate me five stars and leave a review. It's incredibly helpful to get my show up in the charts. Secondly, you can join my Patreon for as little as $5 a month and watch the interviews stream live, which, by the way, gives you access to my episodes way before anyone else. You can also get signed prints, books, merchandise, such as shirts and mugs, access to my private Snapchat, and a free membership to my website, hollyrandall.com. Plus, I offer tons of bonus content. Q&A with your favorite guests that you cannot hear on the free platforms, and of course, my exclusive bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life, that I do with my production manager, Eva. It gives you a real and hilarious insight into what it takes to run a small porn company like mine, because trust me, my job, though stressful, awkward, and palm ridiculous as it is sometimes, well, it's never boring. And we definitely give you the juicy behind-the-scenes dish that you can't get anywhere else. Plus, Eva's dating life is absolutely hilarious, and she holds nothing back. So, go to patreon.com slash Unfiltered and join the community. Your support helps me in my journey to change people's minds about the adult industry, and hopefully the lives of the people in it. Next week on the podcast, I am very excited to have Michael Vegas on the show. Michael is a very popular and strong male performer, but he is also somebody who is very outspoken about pegging. Now, if you've never really thought about male pegging, this is the episode to listen to because Michael definitely changed my mind about How I felt about men who like being fucked in the ass. And it's really a welcome thing to have my internal biases challenged. And Michael definitely does that. And he's like not afraid to say exactly what he likes, what he thinks. And, you know, basically open the door for this kind of thing to be an acceptable option for all men. Men as well as women shouldn't be ashamed about what they might be into sexually and you know unfortunately we as society are very strict about how we feel about male masculinity and and what that means so i just feel like he really kind of opens up a conversation that needs to be talked about and um it was it's just a great episode make sure you come back next week learn all about it yourself uh michael vegas on holly randall unfiltered don't miss it guys